Cable news, noisy, boring, out of touch. That's why Salem News Channel is different. We keep you in the know. Streaming 24-7 for free. Home to the greatest collection of conservative voices like Dennis Prager, Jay Sekulow, Mike Gallagher, and more. Salem News Channel is unfiltered and unapologetic. Watch anytime, on any screen, at snc.tv and local now, channel 525. This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer, San Diego. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Great to be together and uh, happy to talk with you today. Coming back off of a long weekend, uh, I was uh, traveled a little bit, got my daughter back to school, uh, had some family time. I hope you had a great weekend, too. So, you know, uh, in a few moments, we'll catch up. Uh, we'll finally catch up. I've been interested to uh, visit. Um, it's been about... Um, been about three or four months since we talked to Gregory Wrightstone. Um, we got he's going to explain why your gas stove is being banned by somebody or other. Uh, Gregory Wrightstone is executive director of the CO2 Coalition, a geologist by training and uh, and and an author. Inconvenientfacts.xyz is his website. That's his book. Inconvenient Facts. We'll also catch up with Tristan Justice over at thefederalist.com. Uh, we'll talk about uh, Secretary Pete. Mayor Pete used to be Mayor Pete. Now it's Secretary Pete. Secretary Pete is, um, well, he was supposed to be the star of the Democrat Party. He's having a little tough time. He's having a little tough time that he has, um, he's, he's struggling with some issues around transportation, uh, supply chains, um, the airlines being grounded, all those things. Uh, and there's some FOIA requests, uh, freedom of information that have revealed, uh, maybe he doesn't work that many hours in the day. So we'll see. I don't know. I, I, these are kind of non stories to me, but it's interesting because I think Mayor Pete is the greatest threat, uh, to Kamala Harris's, uh, presidential ambitions right now so i wonder if he's taking on some uh taking some flack because they see him as a, a possible primary opponent for her and others uh we'll get to all that but first what you need to know today's wink i'm going to rehash a little bit of last week but even more is known the drip 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 of the joe biden documents uh classified documents in his house uh stuffed in his sock drawer um in his uh chinese funded uh biden a pen biden center the uh, center that he founded down the block on pennsylvania avenue um there's so many people pe- by the way i'm joking about his sock drawer it's just been and, and they weren't in the trunk of the corvette they were just in the garage at his house but there are aspects of this that are really um illuminating for the culture of the swamp because some of this stuff is likely not illegal, um, but it's clearly unethical, right? Some of these, the aspects of what we're hearing, we don't know all the facts yet. Um, so we have to be a little bit careful. What, what we do know is that there's documents, classified documents happening, excuse me, found in at least two, maybe three places. And when they go to look at some of them, they find some more. That's happened a couple of times. And it's a mess. It's a mess for Joe Biden. Um, but here's the thing. A couple of details that we should acknowledge and, and about the swamp, right? One, the, the, the swamped up media, the narrative machine, big tech, big media, big government is, is comparing stories and comparing fact patterns in a way that is absolutely dishonest in one aspect. And I've told you this before, but I'm underscoring it. What you need to know is a president of the United States, Obama, Clinton, W. Bush, Trump, the president has the absolute authority as to the executive branch. That authority extends 
to classifying documents, to make declassifying documents. Remember back when Obama, in the last days of his presidency in 2017, he was allowing unmasking of the names of certain people in the presidential briefings, the daily briefings. He was getting requests and he was saying, okay, you can you can unmask them. You can let their identity be known instead of hiding it. I'm the president. I'm allowed to do that. I'm the president, Bill Clinton. I can take documents with me to the uh, the presidential library in Little Rock, Arkansas. I'm George W. Bush. I can take documents with me to the uh, to the presidential library in, in Dallas uh, at uh, I think it's at SMU, isn't it? And I'm the president, Trump. I can take documents with me to Mar-a-Lago. Now you can quibble with whether the documents were properly declassified, that they were uh, properly copied, but the president. Obama took a gazillion copies uh, uh, to Chicago. It's allowed because they are the ultimate authority. They're the authority from which the power to classify or declassify uh, uh, flows. You get that? It's like the pardon power. Nobody else can pardon someone. The, 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 The authority to pardon, the executive authority comes from the office of the presidency. It is immensely powerful. You don't have to, as Prime Minister of the United States, uh, as um, um, you know, uh, 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 um, General uh, Supreme Commander, ask anyone else permission. If you were Prime Minister, you'd have to ask the the, uh, the the in the in the case of the UK, England, you have to ask the Queen or maybe the Parliament, the House of Lords. I don't know how it would work, but here the executive, as to executive functions, they have total authority. Okay, so Trump may have done it wrong. But he was allowed to do it. Biden was not allowed to do it. The vice president is the same as the janitor. The vice president is the same as the deputy director of personnel. The vice president is the same as any other employee of the executive of the president. The the, the, the authority flows from the president to all their employees. And it doesn't flow for the purposes of classification and declassification to the vice president. It doesn't happen. So he was not allowed to take the documents with him. Sandy Berger, the former national security advisor under, I think, Bill Clinton, he stuffed them in his pants at, when he was in the in the archives or the Library of Congress and snuck them out. Because why? Because even if you're the national security advisor and the documents are related to national security, they might even be the documents you created. You're not allowed to take them. If you're General Petraeus and you give to your paramour the documents that you have used, you're allowed to use, you see, you might have even created, and you give them over, you are not allowed to do that. You're breaking the law. Both of those people, Sandy Berger, David Petraeus, had to plead guilty to crimes related to that. That's the same thing Biden did as VP. Trump did not do the same thing as president. That's the difference. Okay, second point about the swamp. Think about what happened here. After Hillary Clinton was uh, uh, secretary, Bill Clinton was president, then Hillary Clinton was secretary of state. They had the Clinton Foundation and they raised gazillions of dollars into this foundation. And most of the people would say in the swamp, they were investing in a future Hillary presidency. It looked like a good bet for about a decade. Joe Biden went down Pennsylvania Avenue from where he worked and up from where he worked in the Senate. And he set up an office and he had University of Pennsylvania say, we'll, we'll put, we'll go ahead. Biden was saying he was running, going to run, really consider running for president. He had passed in 2016, but he was considering running. 
And so Penn, University of Pennsylvania, of which he had some relationship, they said, this is great for us. We'll get all the presidential, uh, the vice presidential connection. And he's from Delaware. He's right there. He's still popular with people, blah, blah, blah. We'll set him up right down the hall. Right. Biden rented a home in Virginia for millions of dollars. He rented an office down Pennsylvania Avenue, Penn, University of Pennsylvania did the Penn Biden Center. And lo and behold, tens of millions of dollars flowed into the University of Pennsylvania from where? From China, from the communist regime. Now, you can't give money directly to Biden from China, or it would look really bad, but you can launder it. You can't give money directly from uh, 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 dictatorships and oil-rich uh, oligarchies and directly to, the, to Hillary Clinton, but you can give it to the Clinton Foundation. You can launder the money through the swamp. It happens both parties, by the way. Don't think it doesn't. I think the Republicans are a little cleaner. George W. Bush doesn't seem to be as as uh, 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 prone to this, but it happens at both parties. But this is the classic example. Now you take another layer. It looks like that. It looks like that the the uh, when you talk about Hunter Biden and he said ten percent for the big guy, which people thought was his dad. It looks like he was way overpaying for his rent to stay at a house that he may or may not have stayed at. $50,000 a month. I, By the way, I haven't seen that confirmed. There appears to be a document where Hunter Biden filled out paperwork and said he paid his dad uh, to live at this address $49,000 a month. Now, I wonder if he misread it and it was said monthly amount and he meant per year. So $49,000 a month is outrageous rent, right? $49,000 a year is still too high, but it gets closer, right? If you go and rent a place, rent a house, a big house, you might spend $6,000 a month. You might spend $5,000 a month. It's possible. I don't know how big that house was. But, you know, depending on where it is, that seems reasonable. But that might be a mistake. We haven't had it clarified yet. But if it's clear that what happened a lot, just like it's been forgotten, Hunter Biden has been selling his artwork for hundreds of thousands of dollars anonymously. Do you understand that? Hunter Biden has been in his garage of a friend of his, a multi-million dollar, multi-millionaire lawyer, I think, in Hollywood and in, in, in Malibu or California there. And he's got a garage where he's been painting Hunter Biden. And after he painted a bunch of paintings, he said to a dealer, you, you want to sell these? And the dealer said, you betcha, I'll sell these. And then the dealer said, I'm going to sell these in, for the purposes of protecting everybody. I'm going to sell these anonymously. So he's now selling Hunter Biden's artwork for hundreds of thousands of dollars anonymously so we don't know who's buying the influence now do you think that it's possible that if it's a, a chinese uh, uh regime member or a lobbyist who buys a piece of artwork that that hunter biden doesn't know where it goes it, it, it seems likely he's like oh yeah it's over at joe's house maybe the podestas would buy some they, they were into artwork one of the podestas i don't think it was john podesta it was his brother so the reality is the reality is that the the, the reality of this is that the people in the swamp, they deal like this all the time. One of the other ways to deal with this would be to have Hunter Biden get a job, you know, from a, a sweetheart job from somebody and be working for them and making way more money than he should be qualified to get. But we don't see that. But what you need to know now is the swampiness of this is breathtaking. And you have to say to yourself, it's an effort to take Joe Biden off the playing field, that Joe Biden is not going to run when he has this situation. I just don't think he can do it. And I don't think, excuse me, I think, I don't think he will do it 
if this is sustained and you don't see the Democrats defending him. They they are basically stepping back and watching this thing fall apart. Now, I don't think Joe Biden is going to uh, not run. Uh, let me be clear on that. I think Joe Biden thinks he's going to run anyway. I just don't think he can do it with this. If this trip, trip, trip continues the way it's going, I think it's going to be worse and worse. I really do. Um, so that's what you need to know right now. And and I'll tell you, this is the this is the greatest swamp uh, scenario in terms of, of of what you need to know about how the swamp works. It's got everything. It's got the vice president moving down Pennsylvania into a Pennsylvania Avenue. It's a multi million dollar uh, office digs. He wasn't doing lots of thinking about essays and grading papers for the University of Pennsylvania. He was just running for reelect for running for election for president. He he just needed a place to land. And UPenn was happy to get it and go raise money off it. It's perfect swampiness. Perfect. It's like when you see these people. So remember John Edwards? I think he's been disgraced, but I think he was setting up a center for the study of poverty. They set up these places and they they let people contribute money to them so that they can basically fund their lifestyle to continue the stuff they're doing. That's what you need to know. All right. I got to run. We'll come back. We've got these great interviews. Gregory Wrightstone of the uh, CO2 Coalition. Great guy. And also uh, Tristan Justice about uh, Mayor Pete, uh, Secretary Pete, we should say, and some of his uh, struggles. Uh, don't forget, by the way, we'll put up on social media. If you go to ProAmericaReport.com, ProAmericaReport.com, you can sign up for the daily email uh, there. The the, uh, the wink, what you need to know, goes into your inbox at 8 a.m. East Coast, 5 a.m. Pacific time. Sign up there. Uh, and get that in your uh, email. Other emails too, we'll send them to you. So, but I promise I don't trade your email address or sell it or anything else. It's just for our use to get you the good stuff. We'll be right back. Ed Martin here on the Pro Mark Report. Back in a moment. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Gregory Wrightstone is an old friend of mine and someone who has been out in the, uh, I, I think it was must have been five years ago, six years ago, Gregory, when you came out to St. Louis to speak on these issues and on uh, the issues of so-called climate change and and the uh, what was going on. And Antifa showed up. It was one of the most legendary events. So uh, now uh, the uh, executive director of the CO2 Coalition, uh, Gregory Wrightstone, welcome back. How are you? Yeah, that was a fun ride, wasn't it? They, uh, <laughs> it was I, I was up about halfway into my presentation and five Antifa protesters. <laughs> they were they were dressed up. I mean, they had suit and yeah. ties. They yeah, paid yeah. their way to get in. Yeah, yeah. They had yeah. a bullhorn and they were one guy was going around. What was he saying? Scientists lied. People. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's right. Right. And exactly. The cops, the cops showed up. Everybody in the audience, a couple guys got them put their finger in the guy's chest and he went right up to me yeah if you oh, remember he yeah, put too. Finger, yeah it was put great finger right in my chest and i didn't back down i walked toward him with his finger in my chest but yeah. uh well, yeah that, that, you're right that was kind of legendary for your meetings wasn't it, it it was in fact you know as the as the organizer of that event the only problem i had was all these other people that thought they had controversial issues and didn't get any protesters they were like where's my set of protests i said no you got it you got a gregory wrightstone i said he's got the book inconvenient facts and and that I guess that went and put him over the edge. So that was uh, anyway. Uh, Gregory Wrightstone, executive director over at the CO2 Coalition, CO2Coalition.org. If you go there, you'll see uh, lots of resources on understanding things. All right. So Gregory, I did think of you. I smiled, and now you can explain it. What's the deal with the gas stoves? Who's banning gas stoves? Why are they banning gas stoves? I I burn stuff with my gas stove. Sometimes yeah. I think electric would be a little better for me. But what's going on here? Oh, yeah. Well, the uh, Consumer <laughs> Protection Board 
Right. Oh, uh, Trumpka. Trumpka's the, the union guy from yeah. the Col- uh, UMW. His son runs that. And wow. he, he came out talking about banning natural gas stoves. Well, my Lord, my, my wife is quite the chef. <laughs> she would cook. Not, she hates electric stoves and cook, cook over nothing but a natural gas right. uh, stove. And that's preferred by chefs across around the world. Right. Um, and he wants to ban them. He said it, uh, it was leading to an increase in allergies from uh, childhood allergies. And there was a list of things. But I was like, really? Um, as a geologist, I know that natural gas that comes out that you burn in your home is nearly entirely methane. Now, methane is uh, it's. Carb, it's CH4. One carbon, uh, one molecule of methane is one carbon molecule and four hydrogen molecules. And when you burn it, the byproduct is heat, two molecules of water vapor, and one molecule of CO2. And uh, so n- neither of those are al- uh, <laughs> lead to allergies. Right. Um, I mean, if you're allergic to water, you've got some real problems there, right. son. Right, right. You got other issues going on. Um, so again, this is just a, this is a um, uh, is this you know Gregory Wrightstone's our guest, and w- uh, one of the reasons I, 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 your book is valuable oh. and your leadership is valuable is seeing what the playbook is. Is this part of a broader playbook or is this just silliness? In other words, oh, no, no. Uh, you know it's I mean? all, yeah, I do know what you mean. And the answer is yes, it is part of this broader playbook. They want to move us uh, to an entirely electric economy, moving away from fossil fuels. Um, they want to promote uh, and actually not just promote but ban internal combustion engine cars. They're doing it in California and other places. And so your only option is to buy an EV. Um, interestingly, and so this just plays right into that. Of course, natural gas is, is a hydrocarbon. You burn it and you get, like I say, you get you, one of the byproducts is carbon dioxide. And as you know, uh, I'm, a, I'm a really big proponent of the many benefits of CO2. In fact, our motto at the CO2 coalition is we love CO2 and so should you <laughs> because of the, we see just the modest warming and increasing CO2 is leading to just huge benefits to our ecosystems and for the human condition. And so we celebrate that. Uh, so this is, yeah, that's what they want to do. They want to, I, I don't know. I mean, Ed, you're just as qualified as I am to say why they're doing it. Uh, there's, well, there's- I mean, one, one, of the, one of the things, that, you know, it's it's this balance between power and money. And, of course, really those things overlap. And we shouldn't be naive and say that power and money aren't basically the same thing. But when you see, you know, uh, John Podesta in the White House with a $370 billion, with a B, billion-dollar slush fund, and when you realize that the analyses coming out of, say, Twitter, the Twitter files are showing that it wasn't, you know, $10 million, it wasn't $12 million, it was about $100 million that the Biden administration was spending on a election uh, targeting of misinformation, disinformation. My point is, you start to throw so much money around, what you end up seeing quickly is a lot of the forces move towards the money. So if you're a university, you could be honest and say, yeah, we don't really know what will happen in 100 years. So we're not really buying those models that say, you know, a, a change in, in temperature of this amount is going to mean this in 100 years. We don't believe that. Or you could see that there's $371 billion 
million dollars in endowed chairs and research grants. And you could say, yeah, that, that looks like the most uh, prudential way to see it. So you get one thing is the money pushing one way. And then, uh, you know, I think it's political control. I mean, you, yeah. you, you, and that and that is meaning that the longer you're in power, the more influence you have over the policies. So do I think they're all satanic that want to destroy the nuclear family at the heart? I don't quite see it that way, but power is... Um is addictive yeah. too, right? And so yeah. I, I, that's my that's my best a- analysis. I mean, you know, Not, you, you, you'd uh, see it too. Well, I, I can't, Ed. I can't look inside men's and women's souls to see right. what the motivation right. is. Good, good point. But, but there's there's something. The, the big question is why are they lying to us? Isn't that the question? And and as a scientist, it's my job to point out. Okay, this is what they're telling you, and and, and this is what. This is what the science, the facts, and the data support. And just for an example, one one thing I've been using lately, I've, I've just come up with, really, uh, at the last uh, meeting in, in uh, Scotland, there was a big push for all these island nations of Tuvalu and, and Maldives for climate reparations. We're going to be underwater in a decade, right? Right. Well, the Maldives, Maldives and Tuvalu are the two lowest, most at-risk island nations. They're, both of them have the highest point of about 15 feet above sea level. And so they're saying, we're going to be underwater. Well, let's let's look at that. As a geologist, 20,000 years ago, those same islands were 15 feet above sea level. Since that time, in the last 20,000 years, we've had 400 feet of sea level rise. And yet, here are the islands, still 15. And what happens, Ed, is these islands, it's a geologic process known as accretion, and these islands grow along with uh, sea level rise. And people don't realize that. So think about it. So sea level has risen 400 feet in 20,000 years, but that next eight inches is going to put them under. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And that, that's what we're expecting is another eight inches of sea level rise uh, before 2100. That, that's barely above your ankles. And and there, but the, I don't blame, I can't blame the prime minister of Tuvalu or Maldives. They're standing there with their hand out and wanting more money. And, and Ed, if I sound like I'm under the weather, I am. Yeah. <laughs> so Okay, it, yeah, yeah. I wondered. You were particularly deep voice today. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> but I did just take a COVID taste. Uh, oh, yes. all right. So you're okay. safe. You won't get it. Oh, good. I'm, I'm wearing a mask. And, and yeah, a, good, and a full, good, good. A, 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 you know, full body suit, so I'm good anyway. Uh, by the way, we're, for those that are listening, we're not in the same office. We're joking. He's a he's across town. So Gregory Wrightstone, again, is our guest. Uh, you can go, uh, as always, uh, to CO2Coalition.org and see all of his stuff there. Um, okay. Is there, um, Gregory, it seemed to me under Trump that the argument popularly that, hey, let's be an oil and gas producer. It will be better for our economy and we can even indulge in, 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 um, in scrubbing and in technologies that will make things cleaner. That seemed, that seemed to me to have been, uh, popular meaning the populace largely had said yeah we're not gonna we're not gonna listen to greta thornburg scare us we're gonna think hey we love this logo have we lost all that in two years because of the the shift boy boy it's it we haven't lost it all but it's it's gonna make it it's a lot easier to kill something than to build it back uh and what was done under trump uh, making us energy independent. Basically, it wasn't Trump that did it, but right. we can credit Trump for getting out of the way and yeah. just 
And that's the big thing is the government just throws sand in the gears and they want to overregulate and, and, and slow things down. They want to stop things. Um, Trump basically said, go for it. Let's get out of the way. We'll, we'll speed up the permitting process. And so the American entrepreneurs in the oil business and the natural gas business really stepped up and they, they, they just did phenomenally. Yeah. And I know we've talked about the tremendous natural gas reserves of the eastern United States. When I was researching that in 2008, we looked at the, the top 10 natural gas fields in the world combined didn't equal what the one field, the Marcellus Shale, ten, the top 10 combined natural gas fields in the world didn't even equal what the Marcellus was. That's one field in Pennsylvania. Um, there's probably even a larger field beneath that and another super giant above it that I've written about. Yeah. Um, we have generations upon generations of natural gas reserves. And uh, and they, they need that really in New England, but we can't get that gas to New England because New Jersey and New York have pipeline bans. So they're banning that production uh, cheap, clean burning natural gas, and instead Boston's got to import uh, natural gas from from Spain and Saudi Arabia uh, and Algeria, uh, five times the cost. Um, Gregory Wrightstone, as always, his book, which is uh, has a renewed uh, what is it? It's fifth printing or so what? What printing seventh, is it? Seventh, seventh printing. Printing. Yeah, I got to get an eighth done. Yeah, yeah. inconvenient facts. It, it was uh, uh, we've talked about this, but it was popular for a bit, and then it kind of was there, and then suddenly it, in the last uh, year and a half, for lots of reasons, I think people are paying attention uh, particularly to it. It's again a bestseller. Inconvenient facts. Uh, thanks as always, Gregory Wrightstone, executive director over at the CO2 Coalition. Uh, CO2 Co. Coalition.org. Thanks, Gregory. Thank you, Ed. All right. We'll take a break, everybody. We'll be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Don't forget, I'll put up on social media all those links uh, to uh, Gregory Wrightstone's um, uh, coalition as well as uh, to his book, and you can track that all down there. We'll be right back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Back in a moment. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. I think right before Christmas, I'll have to, he, maybe he'll jog, jog my memory. Tristan Justice Justice is a correspondent uh, with The Federalist, thefederalist.com, uh, and uh, he's been on before. And there was a story that was breaking and, and out there that I did not cover that I wanted to go back, circle back, and now there's a reason to do it. There's a FOIA request of, uh, of Secretary of Transportation Pete Buttigieg uh, about his... Uh, a long paternity leave. And, uh, well, J- Tristan, Justin, uh, welcome back. I, I know uh, I read your stuff over at thefederalist.com. How are you today? Good. How are you? I'm doing great. So walk us through this uh, story. The The FOIA requests uh, sort of put the uh, facts to what people wondered about this lengthy ab- uh, uh, paternity leave. Yeah, so uh, a non-government 
government watchdog nonprofit called Protect the Public's Trust submitted a FOIA request in December 2021 uh, requesting records related to Pete Buttigieg's uh, Excuse me, I'm never going to say that name right. Yeah, <laughs> Pete yeah, yeah. Uh, his the Secretary of Transportation's prolonged absence during a supply chain crisis and infrastructure talks going on going on on Capitol Hill in the in, in the fall of 2021. So that FOIA request was submitted in December 2021. The group ended up suing for the records in June, and then of course they eventually got them recently, and they published them in the Washington Examiner. And so I also I've also uh, submitted my own FOIA requests. I, I've oh. requested uh, records related to uh, the Secretary's absence. Um, it's it's not the same exact FOIA request, but it's on the same topic, and it was filed the same month. And the Department of Transportation is still not responding uh, to my FOIA request, no matter uh, despite twelve oh. follow-ups. And so, um, th- but w- what the Protect the Public's Trust found is that in the records that they found, uh, they found that the secretary was using his leave of absence uh, over the birth of his twins to get out of uh, public meetings with influential lawmakers in Capitol Hill and get out of public appearances across the Midwest. And this is all going on while there was a major supply the supply chain crisis on, on the West Coast. And as bipartisan infrastructure talks were going on on Capitol Hill, that ultimately gave the department more than $100 billion towards public transportation. You know, um, again, we're talking with Tristan Justice, and by the way, on Twitter, at Justice Tristan, his name inverted. Um, he's a, a correspondent over at thefederalist.com. Um, Tristan, is um, does this reveal, I mean, what to me, it's like, it, it, and I've heard this from other people, some administrations allow the cabinet secretaries to do a lot, some they don't care about the subjects, and they're just out there. Others, the White House dominates. It looks like the White House is basically running everything. Right. Yeah. And, and you know, Secretary Buttigieg, he's, he's in a cabinet level position that's usually a pretty quiet role. You don't really usually hear uh, about or from the transportation secretary unless there's a major crisis going on. But uh, <laughs> we've heard a lot from this secretary of transportation yeah. in just the two years that he's been in the job because it's just been one boondoggle after another from uh, major supply chain crises on the West Coast to, uh, you know, the nation grounding all the flights in the sky uh, for the first time in, in more than 20 years. And so, uh, you know, Secretary Buttigieg, he was hired in the White House. I, I hate to, I hate to say he was hired because he was gay, but the White House, you know, I'm not saying that the White House said that. Right. Uh, in the first year of Biden's presidency, uh, there was, it was it was leaked from the administration officials that they were struggling to find a place to put Mayor Pete because they had guaranteed him a spot in the cabinet to fill that that. LGBTQ uh, uh, quota, mm-hmm. um, but you're, you know they hired a, a, a former Midwestern mayor who who never had experience uh, filling potholes, let alone running the nation's right. transportation department. And so, uh, I mean, if you, if you go uh, to South Bend, Indiana, uh, his, his record as mayor w- was terrible. The dude couldn't even fill potholes, and now he's he's leading the nation's premier transportation agency. Well, and 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 it's cl- it's a very com- I mean, like a lot of our our um, uh, departments, they become just massively over. Uh, uh, staffed and uh, you know over um, the, the, the you know w- way too much influence and power from uh, from you know the regulation of aviation to as you say bridges and all um, back to back for a second to what FOIA is showing. Do you think you've seen it all? Meaning uh, is you know a lot of times you, you get a slice of this. Is it what else is there? I mean, he took. Uh, I look. I'm I'm for paternity leave in, in, in so far as I have four children. Although I don't think I ever got eight weeks or ten weeks. I mean, I got about about ten minutes. It feel it felt like in in the different times of my life. Most I think most fathers feel that, but you think you're going to see more what's what's out there. Do you have any uh, sources that are telling you there's more to this or is this uh, sort of where we are? 
Well, I suspect I would find a lot more if they actually, uh, you know, comp- complied with public <laughs> yeah. records yeah, requests. And, a- and, and I, and I double checked with uh, protect the public's trust. And I, I mean, the request is different enough to where I, I really think the Department of Transportation is hiding uh, more information uh, because they don't want to make the secretary look bad. And so, look, the issue is not that Secretary Buttigieg took leave. Uh, I think more parents in this country should be able to take leave. We should be able to, we should be able to find policy proposals to, to make that happen for, for most people, both mothers and fathers. Uh, it's, it's not even an issue that, that he's gay. I mean, I, I'm gay myself. Uh, the issue is that he took eight weeks and he's in a cabinet level position. Uh, look, uh, Labor Department data shows that only 90 of the 90 percent of fathers who actually take leave, 70 percent take 10 days or less. And so if the average American, uh, if the average American father takes less, usually takes less than 10 days. How does this, how does the Secretary of Transportation take eight weeks uh, during a major uh, bottleneck crisis on the West Coast and during uh, bipartisan infrastructure talks in Capitol Hill for a bill that's more than a trillion dollars? Yeah. And, and, uh, you know, you bring up a good point. Um, that, you know, there's plenty of people that can do your job. If you're secretary, if you're cabinet secretary, meaning you got deputies that can do most of the hard work anyway. It's just, you know, you got to, in fact, some of these, you know, some of these, uh, uh, secretaries are, are never in the office because they're somewhere and they do a briefing in the morning. They make decisions and all. It's not like you have to take formal leave. It's kind of, it's kind of interesting they did that. Now, a different angle on this. I wonder your, uh, response. And as you were, uh, uh, as you were writing this and, and covering this issue, um, Mayor Pete, now Secretary Pete, is perceived, he's a pretty smart guy. I mean, he ran for mayor, excuse me, he ran for president from mayor, and nobody thought he'd do well at all, and he did well. He, he played to his strengths. He he played to whether you think he was an, you know, LGBTQ uh, 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 kind of, uh, um, you know, if that was the reason he was on the stage, he did it pretty darn well. And I think most Democrats think he's a coming guy. He's only in his 40s. Is this partly uh, some of the Democrats want him uh, not to be the coming man? I mean, Kamala Harris can't love the idea. She she says, I'm an Indian African-American woman. And he says, I'm a, a, a gay man. They start a, in a primary. They would be uh, they would ha- they'd each have some of their their uh, group credibility to throw around. Well, well, there's no doubt that Secretary Buttigieg is, is an incredibly intelligent person. I mean, he knows uh, multiple languages. He went to great schools, but. Sometimes the boy from Harvard is not the boy for the job. <laughs> and, and, and that's to say, sometimes uh, some of these roles, especially in government, need a level of pragmatism uh, that the Ivy League student just doesn't carry with them sometimes. And so I, I no, I, I want to, uh, <laughs> so not to, to diss Ivy League students, but uh, just based <laughs> on my experiences as in internships in DC all the time, I heard from uh, people who hired interns all the time uh, the Ivy League interns were so frustrating. To work with because there's just an absence of pragmatism in their work and, and it's too um, intellectually uh, uh, they're too intellectually minded and it's hard for them to get projects done uh, and so I think over the last two years uh, you know that we're hearing way more from the transportation secretary than we probably should now part of that's probably because Buttigieg has political ambitions he's very young and he wants to run for president again uh, and he did very well in the last primary just from being a Midwestern mayor um, but that's also because there, <laughs> there's been one crisis after Another, um, we haven't had a, a situation in this country where we have to had to uh, ground every flight in the nation uh, since nine eleven. Um, you know, we you know we had an airfare fiasco in December over the holidays. The airlines were completely off guard and, and completely unprepared, despite the billions and billions of dollars 
dollars in, in stimulus money that came straight from the taxpayers. And so we paid all these airlines to let go of their employees and then uh, canceled flights out from under them. And so, no, it's just been one issue after another. The transportation department's a mess and uh, Buttigieg is leading that. It is. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see if if Joe Biden decides for, uh, not to run for president, how quickly the knives come out on all these things. Because you're right, there has been, you know, empirically, not just our opinion politically, a, a series of of problems that transportation has either mismanaged or at least managed poorly or just happened on his watch. And you just get stuck with that. I'll never forget. I, I was a chief of staff to the governor of Missouri and I, I, I called a different uh, previous chief of staff and I said, what do I have to worry about? And he said, well, he said, the thing you can't, the thing you can't worry about is the things you can't control. If there's a flood of the Mississippi River, for example, you just got to deal with it. You can't plan for it, but you can plan for what you do, right? So some things you're stuck with, but he's been stuck with some tough, uh, some, some tough issues that he wasn't present for. So, uh, all right. Well, listen, Tristan Justice, thank you for coming on. Thefederalist.com is where you can read his writings, and uh, we'll have you on again, sir. Thank you. Thank you for having me. All right. We'll take a break, everybody. We'll be right back. I'll put up on social media a link uh, to some of the coverage on that, and we'll be right back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Back in a moment. This is the Phyllis Schlafly Report, a daily broadcast from Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, a national volunteer organization founded by Phyllis Schlafly and continuing to uphold her legacy by opposing radical feminism and representing a traditional conservative perspective in our nation's capital. Now the president of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, Ed Martin. At a rally in Ohio, Donald Trump pointed out that while Atlanta, Georgia has one of the highest per capita murder rates in the country, The political persecution of him there is what Democrats spend their time and money on. In Florida, they spend their time and money on a raid of Mar-a-Lago in the document hoax case, which had never happened to any other president. Democrats insinuated that Trump may have had nuclear codes in the dusty boxes of documents taken by the hordes of federal agents who stormed his residence. Trump, the president who got us out of wars and made the world a safer place, was supposedly harboring nuclear codes from his time in office, even though for security purposes, those codes would have changed many times since he left office. Maybe our country would have been better off if I actually had the nuclear codes, Trump quipped, because then our enemies would actually fear us. Instead, President Biden has placed us where we could end up with another nuclear war in the Russia-Ukraine conflict that never would have happened if Trump were still president. The damage that Joe Biden has done to our nation in two short years is worse than the five worst presidents in American history, Trump said. He then called on the crowd of Ohio voters that he was speaking to to remember when Biden came here and said it's great to be with the people of Michigan. Dismayed, Trump stated that in foreign countries, we're dealing with people who are at the absolute top of their game and who have nuclear weapons. Biden has made this the most dangerous time in the history of our country. Of course, the rumors from fake news outlets about Donald Trump keeping nuclear secrets turned out to be completely false. Not that you'd ever see a retraction anywhere in the news. Still, this kind of fear-mongering is the same sort of trickery that backfired on the narrative machine in 2016. I, for one, am tired of hearing about how a second Trump presidency would bring about a literal nuclear apocalypse. As Trump capably points out, a first Biden presidency is already doing quite enough to hurt the American people. This has been the Phyllis Schlafly Report with Ed Martin, president of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. For 50 years, Mrs. Schlafly promoted grassroots efforts to rally conservatives. Today, you can harness the power of social media by going to phyllisschlafly.com and sharing these commentaries with friends across the country. 
Get started at phyllisschlafly.com. Thanks for listening and join us again for the Phyllis Schlafly Report. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Hey, let me finish up. I just got a minute or so left by uh, directing you. We've talked about this in the past. Let me do it again. Uh, We've talked about where to go to find out what's going on. And I'm reminded that I haven't talked in a while about Breitbart.com. You need to go to Breitbart.com. There's lots of reasons. Alex Marlowe is the editor-in-chief there. He's phenomenal. Um, he has a, he has a radio show on Sirius XM, uh, satellite, also very good. But Alex is a great, smart guy, worked with Andrew Breitbart directly. He's just super editor in chief, but also Joel Pollack is over there. He, he, he's just phenomenal too. I mean, you, you know, there's a lot of good writers and they're fearless, right? They're fearless at covering the stories that are all over the place. Uh, Charlie Spearing is over there. I think I'm pronouncing his name right. Um, you know, there's a whole bunch of people. Uh, Hannah Blue. Uh, Hannah Blue has been on the program before. Neil Monroe, of course. Uh, John Binder. I think it's Binder. Nolte. John Nolte. All these people. They, I mean, it's a, this is a, uh, a, a um, who's who of great writers breaking stories fearlessly. Go to Breitbart.com. I'm going to have Joel Pollack on as part of the reason I'm reminded of this in the next couple of weeks. He's got a radio show. Oh, he's got a new book coming out. I will have him on. So Breitbart.com. Thank you, as always, to Noah Dingley, our producer, Ryan Spy- uh, Ryan Height, our executive associate producer, and you for listening. Be back tomorrow. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Talk to you then. This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer, San Diego.